You made it. You've arrived. This is Peter Levitan's Advertising Stories. And you're about to hear entertaining, personal, often instructive stories from deep inside the world of advertising. Hello, this is Indira. My guess is that you want to be a rock star. Have your ad or digital agency be a rock star? Want to make your clients rock stars? Make lots of money and also put it where your mouth is. Well, Peter interviews Michael Mojinsky. Michael, how did my own AI self do with the pronunciation? Regardless, let's get on with how to be a star. Michael Mojinsky. Are you in London right now? Where are you? Some country house? Uh, yes, in, in the countryside. Uh, in splendid self-isolation. Uh, did you make a lot of money in advertising? I mean, you're like, does everyone have a country house? Uh, well, I set up a number of businesses which uh, were successful. So hopefully that's uh, been, you know, that's all right. Well, that's a, actually a good place to start. Well, first of all, just give me the one minute on London advertising. What, what are you guys about? Well, having worked uh, for the Sartre Brothers for 25 years, setting up businesses all over the world, in 2008, my partner of 25 years, who's the creative director at London, and I uh, decided uh, right at the beginning of the financial crisis that it'd be a really good idea to leave safe, well-paid, secure jobs with the most famous brand name in, in the business, to set up our own global advertising agency. And the reason we called London is that what we discovered, having worked all over the world, is that uh, clients internationally see London as the best place for producing international campaigns. Sorry, New York, sorry, Amsterdam. And so when we started, we wanted to build our own brand. And that's why we called it London rather than Javi Mashinsky or Mashinsky Javi. And since then, what we have endeavored to do is actually take a leaf out of the Saatchi book and focus on, on building a brand that is recognizable for doing the best international creative work anywhere in the world. Well, that is a, uh, and has been a very good positioning for you guys. Are well, there competitors? The reason why it's uh, competitive is that we only have one office in London. So going back 12 years ago, the internet had changed the ability for a single office to be able to operate anywhere around the world. And when you look at other agencies that do, to some degree, what we do, uh, they all set up to be a local agency and then had a need to, to, to help service a client overseas. Whereas when we started, we started from day one about applying all of the learning of how we worked internationally uh, before to a, a new type of agency, which was going to be using the internet to transform all of the back office issues and, and getting uh, work uh, tailored for individual markets. And uh, since we set up, we've actually run campaigns. I'm not talking about an ad that's just appeared in a market. I'm talking about ads that have been designed for local markets in more countries than WPP has offices in. I, I, I used to, I guess I still tell I a guess story. I still tell a story. Ooh, I'm getting a Ooh, weird I'm echo. A Can weird you hear, echo. My, Can weird you hear echo? my weird echo? No. All right, well. Let's assume that the echo went away. It's 2020. I'm, I'm still catching up. 
<laughs> with the technology. Uh, my, my quick story was uh, at Saatchi, uh, they told me, I had, a, I had an international account, an airline, and they told me that uh, we had an office in Korea, uh, you know, because we needed, you remember, the dots on the map. That was the part of the presentation. Look at all of our dots. And uh, anyway, make a long story short, I went to Korea and I realized there were only six people in the office and my client was coming to visit. So my deal was to have the same six people, the Korean agency, run around and look like there were 20 of them. <laughs> but you well, came up with... Uh, in the Caribbean, meeting the uh, local uh, uh, police force. They keep jumping to the end of the line. <laughs> you know, it works. And I think it was a very Saatchi and Saatchi kind of thing to do, right? To just bullshit your way into making it look like they bought the right agency. I mean, the problem with Saatchi, which certainly speaks to one of your um, sales points, is that Saatchi and a lot of these other ones like WPP just sort of bought agencies to say I had an agency in Seoul. Yeah. And I do remember the dots on the map presentation because client would see one agency which would say, we have uh, 69 offices in 57 countries, and the next uh, agency would pop up and go, we've got uh, 69 offices in 58 countries. And, and you know, the more that, this is uh, something I learned in Hong Kong, which is that the more competitive the industry, the more people try and uh, differentiate through, through the detail, and they'll look end up looking the same. I mean, it's very hard to actually a distinctive positioning for an agency because either it's about what the agency does and you know being a digital social media blah 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 or what it's doing is that's about what you do and all of the agencies do the same stuff and um, I'm sure we'll get into it later but uh, any any agency or job title that has the word digital in it has uh, to, to my mind you know completely misunderstood how our business works of course digital is phenomenally important but it's not just one part of the puzzle, you know, what we what an agency needs to do is be the ally of the client at the strategic brand level to safeguard the brand and to promote the brand, because at the end of the day, that's where you create genuine differentiation. Um, and so I, I think there's been a loss of sight of actually strategy and creative idea rather than execution. So are we are we moving back to ideas? Yes. Or we are. We always have, and uh, you know, the idea should be the the linchpin of the creativity that an agency provides, because that's the one thing both clients nor the management consultants can actually deliver. And what's your biggest and best idea? I I, I mean, I, I I'll give you a hint: a fan, F A N. Well, I, I think the work that we're probably most uh, well known for is in, indeed absolutely right: Mandarin Oriental, the fan campaign which is, uh, you know, if I can explain it in terms of our philosophy of, of work, I, th I think it's a very good example, which is that um, in today's world, people are bombarded by 10,000 advertising messages a day. Uh, when we started the campaign, can you believe it, 23 years ago, uh, the figure was 3,000, and we, that was the basis of our, our message to the client, which is their target audience are the most highly sought-after individuals. They've, you know, people are very affluent for a luxury hotel, uh, and they're bombarded by all these messages. So, you, so any idea has to, at its heart to be simple. The second thing, and this comes back to you know, being distinctive versus differentiated, is that, um, and, and Byron Sharp talks very well to this, is that it's more important to stand out 
than it is to stand for something that is different to a competitor. And what we saw with the, the hotel industry at the time was that everyone was promoting their beautiful receptions, their, their swimming pools, their rooms. And, you know, actually, if I'm spending $1,000 for a room night, I expect them to be fantastic. So they lost, you know, they thought they were being differentiated by showing their specific product. Actually, for the consumer, all the category advertising looked the same. So what we did was we, we based about standing out. And the way we stood out was focus on the customer. Um, what we discovered when we dug deeper into, into the client was that we, we asked them for a list of their most world-renowned uh, guests. And it was a, 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 like a who's who of the world from Nixon to Thatcher to every movie star had stayed at Mandarin Oriental because it had two hotels world-class in, in, in Hong Kong and Bangkok that people, when they went to Asia, stayed at. So we turned that uh, into an advantage by focusing on the customer and we, we, we linked, uh, and, and doing a celebrity campaign by itself is not something that is unique, but it was the creative leap of turning the headline to link it to their iconic logo, which happened to be a fan, of he's a fan or she's a fan or I'm a fan. And, and that campaign has been unchanged in effect for over 20 years. And because of that consistency and that simplicity, that ability to stand out, and finally, the third point about all of our work is we make sure that it is remembered, be, you know, correctly attributed to the brand that's advertising. Uh, so most work, uh, if you look at it today, does not conform to those three principles of being simple, standing out, and you remember who it's for. And that campaign, according to Ipsos Mori, even though it's got a tiny global media spend, has generated the highest level of brand recall of any ad advertising campaign they've ever measured well i i had this experience uh, many years ago when i when i booked and stayed at a hotel in marrakesh called mamunia and mamunia very i think it's a one-off hotel had uh, had somehow managed to get into my head that this is where winston churchill stayed and so oh. i and it works i and i said shit if I could stay where Sir Winston stayed, I must be doing something right, you know? And no. uh, you've managed to, uh, so how many celebrities have you worked with? Any idea? Well, over 100 have appeared in the campaign in various forms. But um, I think what would surprise many people in the industry is to know that even though we've managed to secure, you know, we've had like you know, 10 Oscar winners from from... Um, Morgan Freeman, Helen Mirren, um, as well as I think now about eight uh, either uh, villains or Bond girls uh, as well. Um, we have never paid any of them to take part because from day one, when they only had a $3 million ad budget globally, we said, look, we can't afford any of these people. So what, we, what we're going to look for are people who are genuine, authentic fans of your, your hotel. And I have to say, it did take a bit of time to, to secure the first view. But once we've got the campaign rolling, uh, it's almost been like a, a non-advertising campaign because people believe they're not selling out their souls to take part. And uh, we built some really strong relationships as a result of that with the, those individuals. They, we had the 50th anniversary a couple of years ago for, for the Mandarin Oriental Hotel Group in, in their Hong Kong property. And we were able to invite 
11 of our fans, without paying them, to travel all over the world to come to attend that gala event. And the, the PR coverage we got generated $20 million worth of coverage. Um, so all of these things have long-term benefits. And it's all based on an idea. You know, it's not about the fact that we were able to, you know, get some social media content or uh, an event or an ad hoc, an ad hoc thing, because what we've created is something that's all based around one idea that works in all forms of communication. It works on the website, works on uh, the, the 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 product launches. Everything is based on that one idea, and we're very passionate about retaining that quality control to, to ensure that that original vision main, is maintained and is true to today. You have expanded this international thing. I was, I was looking at your history here to some crazy places. Georgia, you've sold, that, that's yeah. not the state of Georgia. It's the country of Georgia. I have to say that for my American listeners because, yeah. you know, we don't study geography anymore. I don't know what the hell it's they do. It's always on my mind. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, so one is Georgia. Zambia. Yes. How do you how how do you get new business from Zambia? Um, I was a because I've done some political. It was actually for a presidential campaign, and I'd worked in Nigeria. Uh, so, uh, uh, somebody who was involved in in supporting the presidential candidate uh, approached me because of, of that particular experience. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's also about being having an open mind to to go to places that others wouldn't necessarily uh, dare to go or, 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 you know, we've done everything from um, Saudi Arabia, um, uh, all across the Middle East, uh, Slovakia. I mean, you know, literally you've got notches on the belt of pretty much, uh, <laughs> well, two thirds of all the countries in the world anyway. Are you in any of the Mandir- Mandarin Oriental? Uh, is it, did I get that? Did I get the brand right? I should get this right. Tell me the brand name of the hotel. Mandarin Oriental Hotel Group. All right. So, I'm ask, so now I'm asking this for two questions. One, uh, you should be in the advertising. But the other is uh, there's this weirdness in with this word Oriental. Uh, tell me about that a little bit. You know, it's, it, we went from he's an Oriental to he's an Asian. So is that a, is that a uh, if, is there any difficulty in there? Or is, I mean, no, I, I, the, the name of the brand is derived from their two founding hotels. One was called the Mandarin, which was an independent standalone hotel in Hong Kong. And the Oriental was the, a very famous hotel going back into the 1930s. People like Noel Coward uh, used to spend their time writing their uh, books uh, in Bangkok. And when the two... Hotels were merged into forming one group. They formed the, the name of the group from the two, two properties, Mandarin Oriental. All right. Well, I have stayed in the Oriental, so I, I, I guess I'm a fan. And I'd like to be, I'd like to be in one of your print ads. I'll, I'll send you my, uh, my agent's contact information. It's uh, very interesting you should say that because what um, the client identified, to her credit, um, was that... Over the years, as she then, you know, mentioned to people or, or, or in seeing in social media, oh, I'm staying at the Mandarin Oriental in, in, in Marrakesh, uh, people would reply, I'm a fan. And so what we have achieved is, is actually, the, I think, the, the, you know, the absolute zenith of any campaign, which is it's entered the vocabulary. And so we, we, we advise the client to... Um, 
bring all of their social media content under one hashtag umbrella, which is hashtag I'm a fan. And when we started that process, they were very wary because actually there were some very weird posts that had been using that uh, particular hashtag. There were a few hundred uh, that used it, things that you wouldn't necessarily associate with a luxury hotel. Um, but we persuaded them to, to go ahead and do that. And if you look at that hashtag today, there are 122,000 posts by members of the public, customers, who have been to the hotel and have used that in, in their uh, communication, as do the hotels, as, as do our fans when they're talking about their experiences. So what we've been able to do is, is turn that into a really valuable piece of equity that works very powerfully in organic social media so that we're not even having to pay for that. That is being driven and our campaign message is being amplified in a very simple way because what we do is we take you know, a, an idea and we make it work in any media and the media has changed. I mean, when we set up the campaign, the internet didn't exist. So we just did print ads. Now we're doing you know, the most sophisticated online video, etc. cetera. Um, but uh, here's the rub. And this is something I feel very passionate about. Um, we hear a lot today, especially in the COVID crisis, of clients saying, oh, well, you know, people are now purchasing more online. Uh, we need more flexibility in our budget. Uh, we need to be digital first. We need to put all of our ad spend into online digital and uh, social media. Uh, and also um, boards quite like it because it, it can be me measured. So the, the thing I would say to that is that what's important isn't always measurable and what's measurable isn't always important. And I think that there has been an opening up, a gap has now emerged where those brands who really understand the power of broadcast media to drive their brand awareness and market share, um, those brands will succeed. And, and the, here's the irony. If you look at the big you know, really efficient, powerful tech brands, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Ebays, the Netflix, how do they advertise? TV and outdoor. Yet all the brands who actually, you know, let's be honest, are not so good at digital, think they should be spending all their money in digital. And what's happened is that during this crisis, uh, the inventory of digital advertising has not gone up, so the price has gone up. Conventional media has plummeted in, in, in real terms. Plus, you know, on TV in the UK, 15% more viewership. So, you know, they, you know, it's not a big secret, but, you know, if you want to grow your brand awareness and your market share, advertise during a crisis when your competitors aren't, you will gain market share. Well, as you, as you know, that is the statement we've been making for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah, if there's a recession, and you and I have been really lucky uh, to have lived through a few recessions. It's, it's just a wonderful experience, especially recessions in advertising. So here, let's segue to you <clears throat> away from, well, although you're, you know, you're all about Mandarin Oriental, but you just ran a advertising campaign for your agency. And let me, I'm going to state that clearly. I've written about it and, you know, we, you and I have talked about it for quite a while. You have used traditional advertising to sell London advertising. Why did you do that? And, and uh, let's go back to, you know, eventually get there on the TV and outdoor side. Okay. So what we uh, experienced once, uh, 
the UK went into lockdown uh, in March was, um, and also all around the world, uh, a lot of our clients, um, you know, had to cut back their uh, spends due to cash flow issues and concerns. And so, we, you know, the, we lost uh, the majority of our uh, income this year. Um, so what we felt was you can do one of two things. You can go away and cry in your soup or you can realise the future's in your own hands and do something about it. And, you know, you can either be a victim or a victor. And we thought, well, you know, even though we were losing money, why don't we step up to the plate and, and be, no, not, and I talk about this a lot, the days of thought leadership are dead. You know, pontificating on, you know, writing a paper about this or that is, you know, no use to anyone. I believe in action leadership. So that's acting and doing things that make a difference, that demonstrate to others what they should be doing and leading by example. So we thought, well, look, every advertising agency in, on the planet was advising their clients this fact that if you continue to advertise in a recession when your competitors don't, you will gain market share. It's, you know, research report after research report from all the previous recessions demonstrates that. So why doesn't an advertising agency do that? And I'm not talking about a one-off quarter page that runs in one newspaper or, you know, a lot of uh, agencies will, will be doing some paid LinkedIn. Well, guess what? When did last time anyone come home and say, did you see that great LinkedIn post by that brand? Sorry, I don't know. That just doesn't happen. So what we instead did was we thought we should um, invest in broadcast media and from our experience, TV and outdoor are the best ways of building a brand. And also we have a particular challenge for our company is that 92% of our work appears outside of the UK. So even though we are actually a, a, have achieved many great things in our 12 year history, our awareness as a brand in the UK client and the UK ad industry and in the, the general public was, was virtually non-existent. So we thought, why don't we use this uh, crisis as an opportunity to demonstrate, you know, that we, what we are capable of uh, and do it for ourselves. And we, we managed to convince the media that this would also be at, uh, promoting their media. So we, we, we actually <laughs> went to a number of media directors to try and see if they could do some negotiated deals with their friends and, you know, people they had relationships with in the media. Uh, to be very frank, we actually got the best deal by having those conversations ourselves. And we generated, I think, 9,000 TV spots on Sky, which reached 10 million people. And Outdoor, which basically no one was using because everyone was in lockdown, we, we managed to get um, exposure for another 20 million people on top uh, for a very reasonable uh, amount of money. We had to produce all of the ads during lockdown, so we couldn't go and do a shoot uh, or, or, or take any photography. So that lent itself to a type-only approach. And uh, we ended up, I think, shooting 10, well, producing 10 TV ads. Very simple, just using a bright green background, which comes from our, our design uh, look and feel from, in fact, a neon sign when you walk into our office that says, be brilliant, because that's our mantra. And then we, we created 27 outdoor ads in digital outdoor, so they could be uh, posted up all over the country. And um, we also then used that to generate some PR um, and got national 
TV news and national newspaper coverage, as well as all the trade, as well as all the social media, and um, took it from there. And uh, actually, it, uh, we, we also put in hand uh, a, a pre and post advertising, what's well, a brand uh, awareness study with an independent research company just before the campaign started and just after it ended. So we, we, we actually treated ourselves as we would a proper client. That doesn't happen very often, right? I mean, again, we well, came... We, we, that, that means that we stand out. You know, being distinctive means you stand out from your competitors. Yes. And that's uh, what you know, we're meant to do for our clients. So I've always said, you know, that's why we called ourselves a brand name, London Advertising, to, to invest meaning into those words and to um, make sure that clients understood that if we can do it for ourselves, we can do it for them. Because also I'd ask the other question is how many other agencies do it for themselves? And if not, how can you trust them to do it for you? Well, I, uh, I appreciate something you said a few minutes ago about this thought leadership thing. Uh, I have been a quote thought leader. And in the past few months, I have just looked at the world and I said, you know, how much shit can I write about? I mean, does anybody care? And, you know, yes, I get emails from people. I read your thing and I, uh, you know, I've been reading you for years and it's, uh, you're wonderful and handsome. And, you know, I'd love to have drinks with you. <laughs> but the barrage in the past 10 years of uh, thought leadership is astounding. So the idea and uh, the words I use, as you know, are, are being unignorable which yeah. means being distinctive, uh, is more than just your brand position. Okay, so I'm going to shift, and I'm going to ask you a really important question. Right, I'm going to ask you one question, though, Peter. Yeah. yeah. Right. For all the audience out there, put your hands up if you have never liked a thought leadership piece that somebody's posted on LinkedIn or social media that you haven't read. <laughs> right? doesn't happen. You know, you want to show goodwill. Oh, I like this person. I want them to know that I'm, you know, following them, that I've taken the notice. People are too busy. You know, how many things do we have to read in newspapers, online, social media? I mean, it's just like, ah, brains exploded. I had a HC client ask me the other day, because uh, we're all facing the same thing about, you know, just uh, we're in this morass of shit out there. Um, he said, uh, do you think I could use the word fuck on my homepage to make a point? <laughs> and I said, sure. I, I think, you know, at this, I mean, he, there was a strategic use of the word, I'll say. But nonetheless, he asked that question and I referred him to going to Amazon and looking how many books have been written in the past few years with the word fuck or shit in the headline. And the, the point, uh, I, I think. He wanted the uh, past tense, actually. Get fucked. No, we're fucked. We are fucked. All right. Well, that's a good. So why, uh, what's with the award thing? You guys uh, love the fact that you win awards. Uh, best agency in the universe. Um, how does that come about and how do you use it? Well, it, it started off with, um, after the, actually the last <laughs> crisis of 2012, because um, we had some investors at the time who were subsequently bought out. And um, they were very keen to give us a, a, a loan of like four million pounds to go and buy a social media agency. And I said, well, look, I know we need to grow our 
online and social media capability, but um, you know, they'll want 20 ti- 22 times their earnings and we'll never make the money back. And I don't, you know, I was at Sarge's, I don't want a load of debt, thank you. So, but it led to a good board discussion where we said, look, you know, yes, what can we do that would uh, get us, you know, the leading digital talent to come and work for us? And, uh, you know, again, what we did was we, we asked ourselves a question, what would we advise a client to do? And we came up with the idea of uh, running a competition um, where we as a start, recent startup would, would offer a £100,000 prize for the best digital um, talent to set up a business in conjunction with us that would then grow our capability. And we also managed to tie it into a, 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 an, issue, a, a, an incentive scheme the government had just launched and had no publicity for, which was the most generous in way investment incentive for investors anywhere on the planet. And as a result of that, I was able to get uh, the London Times to be the media partner. I was also able to get David Cameron, the prime minister, to launch our competition in Downing Street. It then actually generated uh, entries from, and PR coverage for us all over the world. We, we selected the winner, we, we incubated it, and we got four million pounds investment into that company without any revenue, without even a product, simply on an idea. And that made it the most invested tech startup in, in, in the country. So on the basis that we had done all of that, we entered uh, the, the Europe's largest uh, marketing publication, The Drum. We entered their awards for the first time. We don't normally do awards, it has to be said. We're too busy getting work done for our clients. And we won Agency of the Year. And as a result, we then entered all the subsequent years and we've won it six out of the last seven years. So that's been just a, a way of demonstrating that we do things that are based around ideas and we, we apply those it's very important to us we apply the thinking we give to our clients to our own marketing um, because we think it's the best way of demonstrating our, what we do yes proving i think the proof is a, is a good one i am often uh flummoxed i haven't used that word in a while did they use that word in the uk flummoxed Flummoxed, yes. Very yes, I, I, my, I have to assume, just to digress into sort of politics for a second, that the, the, the Scots, as the people who live in Scotland, <clears throat> must be a bit flummoxed about looking at their uh, sustaining uh, position in the UK. I don't know if flummoxed is the best word, but um, maybe that's a potential client for you. The new country of Scotland. <laughs> Where I want to go and be wet and drink heavily. Yeah. That's, that's the brand for me, is men in dresses who drink heavily and are wet all the time. Ooh, that sounds strange, doesn't it? So a couple of things. I, we're going we're gonna to focus down here for a second. First of all, years ago, uh, easily 10 years ago, you know, I've known you a very long time, and I'm well aware of everything you've done. I was going to name my agency in Portland that lived in Portland, Oregon, I was going to name it Portland. And the reason was I was going to steal the idea from you because Portland is a very creative city. And I felt that we were getting lost in the mix and I was going to reinvent the agency model and call it Portland. Uh, I didn't do it because it was around the time where I woke up one day and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't want to reinvent an agency again. Obviously, you have more energy than I do. 
but I was going to steal that from you. And then here's another one I just thought of this morning, which is a bit bizarre. Um, you use the music from The Clash, London Calling, I believe. That's correct. What used, used to be your sort of audio branding on your website. Uh, you've always had very clean and neat websites, not many pages. Uh, but I remember that. And that reminded me many years earlier when I went to a Who concert. And they also were using uh, London branding. They had a, uh, when they did Magic Bus, they had a London bus. This was at Fillmore East, circling around the screen behind the band as they you know, did their Who thing. And everyone in the audience that was tripping, you know, on LSD was like just staring at this bus, like. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put your branding expertise right there along with the Who, which I think is a compliment. Thank you. Um, you know, you can take it any way you want. Here's the here's the big question. All right, so I'm gonna end. You, I'm gonna ask you to use your uh, experience, skills, knowledge, perspective. What is happening to the advertising world today? We are now almost 10 months into this COVID thing. Um, we, you know, March was nuts because everyone freaked. We're a little bit beyond freaked now or it's a different level of freak. What, what would you recommend to agency people in terms of how to grow in the future? Well, I think the, the key thing is to move beyond the execution. I see far too much. Um, in fact, I posted today on LinkedIn, ironically. But Marketing Week, which is the big sort of client uh, magazine here, had 10 news articles all on very micro issues to do with um, website builds or executional issues. And and very few people are talking about ideas. And Forbes actually uh, has been running a series of articles about the future of the advertising industry, and they're very well informed. And the one that ran last week said, you know, advertising agencies used to be the custodians of brand strategy and the business partner of their clients. And whilst we are an advertising agency, we we work with clients on a a sort of using creativity to help achieve business objectives. So it's really marketing in its broader sense or using communication to help achieve a client's business uh, results. What Forbes said was that agencies have sort of withered on the vine because of the complexity of the marketing world in terms of all the issues now that marketing directors have to deal with in the marketing teams and have have ended up being creators of content. And there's a brilliant video that was circulating on, on, on the internet about why do all COVID ads look the same. <laughs> and you can Google it, and it is extraordinary. They, you, you, they have the same content. You know, now more than ever, in these unprecedented times, we need to be together. You know, and literally, you can take 30 TV ads, and they've got the same structure, pretty much the same words, and all that's different at the end of the ad. And they've even got the same piano music. You can actually play a tune using... 10 different ads, they've all got the same music. It's extraordinary. But the only thing that makes the ad relevant to that one company, because you know one company's been in America for 68 years, one's been for 72 years, and one's been for 58. They're all the bloody same, is the logo at the end. And if that's the only thing 
that differentiates your piece of content that you are spending or clients spending hundreds of thousands of dollars creating, hundreds of thousands of dollars on your fees and millions of dollars on media. And that's the only thing that differentiates it from, from, from the other ads. The, the, you, you're going to be out of business very soon because I can build an AI algorithm that can scrape all of those ads and I can sell one to Facebook for $10 that does that job. Right? So if that's all we as an industry are ending up doing, we are signing our own death warrant. So let's go back to ideas, ideas that are simple, that stand out, and people remember who they are advertising. I'll go back to the beginning for both of us. Um, the fantastic Saatchi and Saatchi, you know, we're very lucky and we can't get away from it, right? You know, I'm sure you walk in a room and they say, well, here's Michael, uh, he was at Saatchi. Uh, you know, it's like a brand I can't get rid of. I haven't been there in 25 years. And yet people say, well, he was a, he's, oh, here's Peter. He's a, he was at Saatchi and Saatchi in the good old days. <laughs> okay, I get it. You know, I just can't get rid of it. It's like that uh, Pacino movie where he says, you know, they keep bringing me back, right? They keep drawing me back. So two ads that were brilliant ideas. One, as you know, you're, I'll say these and you'll just laugh. I'll, I'll put them somehow on my thought leadership uh, series that no one will read. Uh, labor isn't working. And that's, how do we spell it? L-A-B-O-U-R? Yep. Is that how you, right? Which was an ad uh, against, a conservative ad against the labor uh, market, which was brilliant. Everybody got it. It's, uh, again, I will, I'll show it to people. And then the other, which, you know, I probably look at every two years and just smile because, uh, was it called smile? It was when the people assembled uh, for the British Airways. Yeah, called Face. Face. Um, and you know, those are the kinds of things that I think are worth showing to the digerati and say, look, <laughs> this shit sold stuff, right? It, it won. Now I'm not saying it doesn't happen anymore, but yes, ideas and ideas are not easy to get to. And, and one of my fears, and I'm pontificating now is that a lot of the idea guys have split. You know, your, your business partner is a brilliant art director, creative director, et cetera, uh, who can generate ideas. I'm not sure where these idea people are anymore. They're not, I don't know if they're getting paid enough, well, respected. Did you, did you hear about the um, CEO of WPP in an interview? Um, he was talking about, you know, diversity, and he, he, he made a, a huge thing about the fact that the average age of their agency was less than 30. And what they've done is, and, and, you know, we're seeing it um, you know, already a huge wave of redundancies happening. And what's, what's happening is that the people who are experienced and have those big ideas are the ones being kicked out. And sorry, you know, some very bright young people but who do not have that experience are being left in. And they're the ones creating. Do look at that video I suggested because I've been using it at various uh, conferences. And <laughs> I, I do a little trick because I, I, I say I've been asked to talk about the best of advertising during the, the, the you know, during the COVID crisis. And I just play the reel. And it, it takes people about 20 to 30 seconds before they realize I'm taking the piss. <laughs> but that, that's what we've got to, you know, so content creation is not the same as an idea. And uh, I'll tell you a little story because I worked on the, the BA uh, commercial, you may remember. Um, and uh, a few years later, after uh, we left Sarches, um, a, 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 a 
business class only airline called Silverjet was uh, launching. And, and we did, we remade that face commercial that originally had 3,000 people in uh, with only three people. And we got Hugh Hudson to go and shoot it in the same locations in, in, in Ohio on the, on the salt plains. And um, it's actually a very beautiful commercial, <laughs> but it was only three people to make the point of that fewer people were on the plane and you had more space and all of this sort of thing. And um, I think what's also, it's not just the idea, it's what Saatchi had, and that, you know, it was obviously in our blood, was what we would call chutzpah. And it's having the balls to do things that others wouldn't. So taking a tiny little startup and saying, we want to hire one of the world's best, you know, Oscar directors and go with a huge crew and helicopters into, into you know, into the desert uh, and, and, and spend, you know, their biggest investment was to make that commercial, but it really worked for them. So I think uh, in, in a small way, us investing in our own ad campaign was a bit of chutzpah because, you know, we're, in, in, in essence, if, this, if we don't generate more business, we will go out of business. So we, we invested in, in something we believed in and we took that risk. Because if you don't take risks, you won't get, you know, there's two things I was taught from day one at Sarches. It's the ability to have great ideas, but great ideas are nothing unless you make them happen. And I am very lucky in having a fantastic creative partner, Alan, who comes up with those brilliant ideas. Hopefully, some of what I do makes them actually appear. Because if they don't appear, they're not going to influence anyone. Oh, well, I'm going to invent a uh, term right now or some words. Nothing is impossible. <laughs> All right, on that note, um, I've been threatening uh, to buy you dinner in London now for many, many years. And, uh, you know, my American passport right now, you know, I can't even get to fucking Greenland with the thing. It's useless and worthless. It's bizarre because America has been made great again. And we're so great. Nobody wants us to visit. I will be in London. I owe you a very good meal. Of course, maybe I'll go up to your country house and go shooting or whatever you guys do. I know, you know, I've I, you know, I'm sure you all shoot things on weekends with horses and <laughs> I'll come up. Uh, thank you very much. I will put your new case study up on my uh, website. I will alert the world that you've rejigged it a bit. And uh, I more power to you in terms of being a self-promoter and somebody who believes, strangely enough, in advertising. Thank you, Michael. Yo at people. It is Indira again. Wow, that was a great interview. Pass it on to your marketing friends that want to be, you guessed it, a rock star. Please do this for me. Subscribe to Advertising Stories. Coming up will be Peter's brilliant advice on how to run a new business pitch presentation in a virtual space like Zoom. It ain't easy. Many thanks again to Kane West for loaning us his studio for this recording.